Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now. Here is your host, and time watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelinsky Show for this April 1st, 2016 edition. The month of March has certainly been a jam-packed month. I had the privilege of being on Skywatch TV to talk about my book, Green Gospel, which was such a privilege and honor. I got to spend some time with Dr. Tom Horn and what a blessing that was. And then, of course, I made my way to Dallas, Texas for the Hear the Watchman event. Such an amazing event. Of course, there was Paul McGuire, Michael Boldea, Russ Dizdar, Flip Benham, Dave Dobmeyer, Pastor David Langford, so many others. And I got to MC the Sunday and introduce David Langford. So that was such a privilege and an honor. It was a very life-changing event for a lot of people. And if you did not get a chance to attend, I believe people can pick up the DVD box set. You can go to hearthewatchmen.com for more information if you would like to pick up a copy of the DVDs from that event. It was a really incredible event. It is my understanding that there is another event in the works for this fall. I would absolutely love to see you all out at the next event. There is nothing like coming together as a body of Christ for a time of fellowship, renewal, revival. Again, it was just such a fantastic event, and I hope to all see you out at the next event. Again, go to hearthewatchmen.com for details on the up-and-coming events. It is my pleasure today to introduce you a man I've wanted to have on my show for quite a long time. He has a very impressive bio. He hails from the Lone Star State. It is Pastor Stephen Broden, a former Republican political candidate. He is a political commentator, former professor, and an activist for pro-life causes. He founded the Fair Park Bible Fellowship in 1987, where he serves as a senior pastor. He was a speaker for the Tea Party movement, and he advocates for return to what he considers proper Christian values that undergird the founding of the United States of America. He supports individuals' rights to bear arms, He's a big proponent of that Second Amendment, my kind of guy. He's been a recurring political commentator on Fox News and even appearances on The Glenn Beck Show. 
He's a recipient of the Ronald Reagan Gold Medal Award. I could go on and on, but without further ado, Pastor Stephen Broden, welcome to the program. It is such a pleasure to have you on, sir. Well, it's my honor to be with you today. Well, purely my honor, sir. You know, the devilish federal government, as we look around at what's being usurped, they've violated the laws of nature, the laws of God at every turn, this coalescence of affirming and legalizing abortions and same-sex marriage. I mean, it's really been forced down our throats as Christians. Our tax dollars are going to support devilish conduct and behavior straight out of the bowels of hell, in my opinion. And I recently said you'd think that Christians, by the millions, sir, would be descending on their leaders like a swarm of mad locusts, but instead it's crickets chirping. And here's the question I have, Pastor Broden, is there a tipping point for the citizenry, or are we just past the point of no return here? Well, that, that's a very good question, and I can share with you my observations, and you can deduce from that what you might be able to ascertain as to what the answer may be to that question. I, I really believe that um, political correctness rules the day in America, so what we see is a capitulation on the part of the church and a part of the citizens of this great nation to the political correctness doctrine that governs our thoughts, our actions, and our behavior. Uh, when you say the federal government, the federal government is a reflection of the will of the people. The president of the United States was elected twice by the will of the people. Everyone didn't participate in the election. Of course, the percentage of those who elect our leaders is far less than the percentage that don't vote. Right. But nonetheless, those who are voting are representing those who are engaged and aware of the platform and the direction that these leaders are purporting to lead us. And they are agreeing with that and they are electing these men and women to represent the interest of the nation. Certainly, as Christians, uh, we should process our voting through the lens of our faith. The grid of our faith should inform our actions. We do what we do based upon what God has said in his word. Our value system is a system that's otherworldly. It does not have its origin here in this earth, but rather it comes from the mind of God. And God has given to us his perspective. But unfortunately, what I am observing today is that there has been a bifurcation of our Christian values from our choice or our selection of our leaders. We do not process our choices through the lens of our faith. Our faith does not inform our decision-making in America today. Christians have laid aside their faith and have embraced their own fleshly desires and ambitions within the cultural norms of our of our society and uh, so i think that's where we are and what we have is what we've asked for and what we have voted for and it's unfortunate i believe that there isn't a tipping point we've gone so far past the tipping point that it is absolutely breathtaking that americans right now are responsible for the kind of leadership that we have in washington dc you know We just had a primary season here in Texas, and every one of our congressmen out of the House of Representatives 
that were Republicans were re-elected. Now, they, they voted for Ted Cruz to be their presidential choice out of this field of candidates that we're looking at. But every one of the congressmen that have been in Washington, D.C., perpetuating the frustration and the anger that we're seeing in the public square today, they reelected them and put them right back in there. And they're the ones who did not defund Planned Parenthood. They're the ones who funded Barack Obama's budget for this new year. They're the ones who have given Barack Obama everything that he has wanted and have not challenged him on any of his executive orders, which have violated the Constitution repeatedly over and again. And people in Texas reelected those same men and women to go back and represent their interests. I believe the tipping point is long past. Well, you mentioned the Constitution. The Constitution is a powerful document, but it's dying by death from a thousand cuts, isn't it? It's on life support. The Founding Fathers made it very clear that the laws of God are the highest laws in the land. That means higher than the laws of man. Thus, man's law cannot contradict God's law. And if you think about the term republic, Latin for publicus, meaning for the people, Supreme powers held by the people and their elected representatives. And that's precisely why it's called a republic. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but let's think about the declaration. It notes that governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. And we know that the Bible recognizes that civil government is instituted among men. So its purpose is to exercise its power under the authority of God's law. And therefore, God's law supersedes all other law, even including the Constitution, which is the second highest law of the land. And you know, if there's one thing that boils my blood, it's that the silence is resoundingly loud. And I think of strong men, men of action, like my grandfather storming the beaches at Normandy, getting shot repeatedly. I think of the Lexington Minuteman representing Captain John Parker. I think of retreating not being an option for the colonists. And those comrades of my granddaddy who stormed the beaches of Normandy, they didn't back down. Tens of thousands of GIs over the years watch their own comrades bleed and die. And again, if it's one thing that boils my blood, it's the vilification of our incredibly brave veterans, but also our Christian brethren that are being persecuted. And I think of all that we've allowed up till now, and it's heart-wrenching. Are we just going to keep giving everything up without a fight? Bow down to tyranny like a bunch of cowards on our knees. Jesus said, occupy until I come. And if there's ever been a need for an A-team in God's army, it's now, isn't it? I think your assessment is correct. And, and your review of the history of this nation is true. It's dead on. But because you know history well enough that you can make an assessment as to where we are today, we are nowhere near where we were based upon what you've listed there in terms of a historical overview of how we've come to be the American nation that we are, or I should say we were. We're not there now. The Constitution, you said, is dying a death of a slow a thousand cuts. Could it be that it's already dead? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have said to many of my congregation and my patriotic friends, constitutional patriots, is that we cannot make our assessment emotionally here. 
Right. We cannot lead with our heart, Sheila. I got engaged in this 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 uh, struggle back in 1978-79. Moral majority was was at its uh, inception. Tim LaHaye, Jerry uh, Falwell, right. Phyllis Schlafly, right. uh, James Dobson. Uh, these men were stepping forward, and they were leading in a cultural war. And I got involved at that time. I followed them into the fray because I wanted to see the rescue of this republic. We were being assaulted by uh, the progressive movement, by socialism, uh, communism, uh, terrorism. All of these things were happening at the time. And, um, and, and my heart led me into the fray because I love America. But my heart must not trump what I believe God is saying and what God is doing. And see, a lot of us have been praying, God, save America, God, save America. And I question if we're, we're, we're doing that for selfish reasons, as opposed to honestly making an assessment as to where America is. You see, there are five issues that have been on the table and have represented, I believe, the absolute and utter disconnect of the church from God and the culture from God and society from the will and purposes of its original intent. Five issues, abortion, euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, human cloning, and same-sex marriage. Those five issues were on the table and how America responded to those five issues ultimately determined if we were going to ever turn this nation around. Our response to abortion has been anemic and weak. We have euthanasia taking place, mercy killing right now is happening in America. Most people don't know that, but it's happening in America. In these hospitals, they are putting to death old folks, whether we know it or not. And inside Obamacare, there is euthanasia. Death panels. There, yep. there is death panels who are inside there making decisions as to whether you have worth or value enough. If you have economic value, unfortunately, is based upon economics. And if you don't have economic value, then they're going to put you at the back of the line in order to receive treatment or receive any kind of attention from doctors. Barack Obama stood on television and said that. He said, for some of us who are old now, we need to take an aspirin and go to the back of the line. I remember him saying that. Yeah, I don't know if you I remember he that. said that. And America said nothing. Embryonic stem cell research. Under George Bush, he, he brought an end to that practice. When Barack Obama got into office, the first thing that he did was reinstate embryonic stem cell research. That is researching with the stem cells from dead babies. Yeah. Well, and so it's not really surprising that these devilish Planned Parenthood will auction off baby body parts to the highest bidder, is it? No, that's just an extension of what has already been practiced in America. Then human cloning. I think it was in 2009. I have an article from 2009, 2010, where they did a successful human cloning in America. And nobody said anything. No one said a word. And now we have Obergefell versus Hodge, yeah. June yeah. 2015. They roughshod, disregarded the Constitution, stepped all over it, and legalized same-sex marriage in America. Two of the justices who were on that opinion 
should have uh, recused themselves from the process because they had performed same-sex marriage as judges before they became Supreme Court justices. They should have said, we can't make a decision here. We've already biased uh, and have done this, so we're going to back out. They didn't do it because they're orchestrating an engineered approach to designing a secularistic culture in spite of the Constitution, disregarding our Judeo-Christian heritage, and embracing what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. America has turned its back on God already. I cannot pray, God bless America. I cannot ask God to have mercy on that which has disregarded him, kicked him under the bus, and no longer respects him as God. I pray that God will come and exercise his judgment as he said he would and stop this madness that is happening in our culture today. And if we are honest as believers, you and I, who honestly believe in the inerrant, infallible word of God, that God is true to his word. He predicted these things would happen. He showed us that this would happen. And he says, I tell you these things in advance so that you will know. And so we see as he sees, we know as he has made known and we should be doing what he called us to do instead of begging him to have mercy on this idolatrous, bell-worshipping, Molech, Bible, baby-sacrificing nation that we are. Yes, Baal worship indeed. In fact, this month sometime the Temple of Baal will come to Times Square. We know there's a reproduction of the 50-foot arch that formed the temple's entrance. That's to be installed in New York and in London. I mean, we are so immersed in this cesspool of debauchery. And I actually point out in my book, Green Gospel, not just how the West is being radically transformed into this soulless, ungodly Marxist society, but the astonishing goal is to eradicate the one person that stands in their way, Jesus Christ. And all these godless philosophies, Pastor Broden, like collectivism, progressivism, Marxism, Darwinism, secularism, it's all the same thing, gift dropped in a different color bow, but it's permeated throughout our culture. And it's the order of the day. And these anti-God philosophies have been stuffed down our throat to dethrone God, destroy capitalism. And after all, Karl Marx believed that Christians were the biggest hindrance to Marxism. So it's not surprisingly, as you said, we've kicked God to the curb in every facet. We're now not a nation of free people under God. And yet, you know, this cabal's collectivist Marxist ideas are now just embraced as a valid part of the American way, and they are not. They are diametrically opposed to the constitutional Republican liberties established by our founding fathers on fundamental moral tenets of biblical law, and yet they do nothing. Well, <laughs> uh, you've said it well. I, I, you, you've, you've done a very good job in, in highlighting exactly what's going on. All those isms that you've listed, Marxism, communism, secularism, humanism, Darwinism, all those isms are philosophies that are godless, created by man, and have no regard for God or the values that we represent within the Word of God. We have become a secularized, Darwinistic culture that embraces an economic system that is devoid of a spiritual or divine perspective. 
you're absolutely correct in your assessment. But the Bible says, and as you well know, in First Timothy chapter four, it says, but the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Yeah. All those isms that you just listed, these are doctrines of demons and they have permeated and penetrated our culture and they have captivated the minds of our children and our youth. That's why Bernie Sanders is having so much success because he has a lot of young people following the Pied Piper of socialism, looking for something for nothing. And I, I dare tell you that these young people do not believe in God. They do not believe in the Bible. And they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, a part of the divine trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They do not believe that. And that's why they're embracing this mess. This, Sheila, is an indication, it's an indicator of the fact that this culture has turned its back on God. We're no longer a Christian nation. We've got to come to terms with that. This is no longer a Christian nation. A Christian nation will not permit the killing of babies. A Christian nation will not permit mercy killing. A Christian nation will not permit same-sex marriage. A Christian nation will not permit selling baby parts for profit. Not only do we permit it, but our government funds the very industry that is doing it with our tax dollars. And there's no outrage, none whatsoever, that comes from the church. There is silence. And I'm not surprised by that because the Bible said there will come a time when they will not tolerate sound doctrine and good teaching and they'll follow after doctrines of demons. This is inside the church. It's a really important message that you're saying because we are spiraling at breakneck speed into this complete satanically induced hellish meltdown. And the reactor rods are kind of all going off at once here. We really are at a time like no other time in history of the world. And Jesus said there wouldn't be anything like it again. It's like a nature hike through Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel. And I think about Daniel 12 talking about people going ravening mad, as you said earlier, and the wickedness and the lawlessness increasing. I mean, the world is racing towards this end time encounter between good and evil. And there is a really a deepening antagonism developing worldwide against conservative Christians. I guess a war you could say that ultimately pits born-again, spirit-filled believers against religious Christians, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I, I had a, uh, oh, back in yeah, about 2012, I had a big rally in downtown Dallas. Uh, I tried to have a big rally. I invited all the churches to come out. Uh, we only had about, uh, oh, I got 150, maybe 300 people show up. And it was about stop the persecution of Christian in Muslim nations. And part of the presentation was that I made was that the State Department of these United States is funding every Muslim nation that is persecuting Christian, tearing down their churches, raping their children and their women, selling them into slavery, and our tax dollars are supporting every last one of those nations. And I, and I stood up and said, pastors, we need to get together and let's stand up and send a message to John Kerry that, and to Barack Obama. We want our tax dollars to stop flowing to those Muslim nations. 
and I did not have, but maybe two or three pastors show up and the rest were laity who showed up, who understood what we were trying to say. And some of the biggest churches in the country are located in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and none of their pastors said anything. They avoided me like the plague. I've been watching this thing for some time and I've been trying to understand it. And I think God has revealed to me that the church has embraced this thing called the American dream, which I think is a, a lie from the pit of hell. The American dream has, has duped us and seduced us and caused us to become what I call utilitarian Christians. Only need God in times of trouble. When trouble comes, God help me, deliver me. When he, when he delivers us, say, now you, you step aside, God, go sit down over there and let me play with my toys, watch my football team play my games, go to work, earn my money, and buy my cars, my jewelry, my big house, my swimming pool, and let me have the American dream without any responsibility to the Evangelion, that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The American dream has killed the church in America. Most Americans right now are crying out to God, God, save America, have mercy on America, because they want to pursue the American dream. Yeah, that's very well said indeed. And what is so stunning to me is you've got the United States under attack right now by Islamic law. You have Muslims flooding in. Well, according to Sharia, every faithful Muslim is obligated to wage jihad, violent or not. So, you know, people say, well, Sheila, it's a peaceful religion. No, it's a piece of a dead body here, a piece of a dead body there. That's what my idea of peaceful, you've spelled it wrong. But see, <laughs> you've got this CFR huckster, old Rick Saddleback Warren out there promulgating this devilish idea of Chrislam. You've got the Popoff praying in mosques. You've got Loretta Lynch mob, as I call her, the attorney general. She's out there saying, we're not going to tolerate any anti-Muslim rhetoric. I mean, are you kidding me, Pastor Broden? It's so frightening what is happening. Well, we have opened the gates and we've allowed Satan to come in. And Satan is in this country and he's running this country in the highest halls of government. He is running this government. We've elected uh, Barack Obama, who I believe, and I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for this, but I really believe that he represents the Prince of Darkness on this earth right now. And uh, he has uh, produced the kind of sympathetic spirit that exists in America for the very people who hate our guts. This group, Islam, I believe, is the anti-Christ religion that will usher in the Antichrist. They are looking for what they call the Madid. The Madid is who they're looking for. Everything that they say about the Madid as their savior, as the one who will come, that he has to come at a time of great chaos and confusion. So they're trying to create a lot of chaos and confusion globally so that the Madid will come. But everything they call him, and they identify him within the Quran. The Bible also identifies him within the scriptures. And a lot of people don't know that. It talks very clearly in the scripture as to who the Madid is. In the scripture, he's called the Antichrist, the Prince of Darkness, Satan, Beelzebub, Mesostopheles. That's who this is. They're looking for the devil to come. They're looking for a demon to show up. The Bible calls him the Antichrist. And that's what this evil religion is about. And they're going to rule the day right now because they're on the platform and Satan is enabling them. And quite frankly, the Bible has predicted that this would be so and it's happening. 
But let me just go back to Rick Warren and Chris Islam. Isn't that crazy? Yes, sir, it is. Bible warns us about that. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. There's four things that it says here. See to it. That's my responsibility and yours. We got to see to it that no one takes us captive through philosophy. And that's where this Marxism and socialism, communism, Darwinism, secular humanism, those are philosophies. It takes us captive through philosophy and empty deception. Empty deception, that is, it looks good on the outside, but it has no substance behind it. It has no depth to it. It has nothing to it. You know, it's just like drinking uh, Diet Coke, all right? It has all the taste of Coke without the calories, so supposedly. But it's poisonous <laughs> to your body, yeah. drinking in those uh, synthetic sweeteners. It hurts your body. And that's what we're doing. We're drinking in mess with these philosophy, empty deceptions. And the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world, those are four things right there, juxtaposed to what? According to the teachings of Scripture. And so we're being deceived with philosophy. We're being uh, deceived with this deception that's coming out the pulpit. Yes, sir. Pulpit permeating plebs, or as I call them, tele-evangelifish. It is egregious. When is the church going to grow a backbone and say we are not going to tolerate these politically correct, dumbed down, lukewarm minions that are promulgating false doctrine? You know what angels say, anyone preaching anything other than the full gospel, let them be accursed. I really believe, Pastor Broden, that they should be carried out of their churches and strung up for the most egregious travesty in the West today, and that is an unwillingness to preach the Word of God. So instead of boldly proclaiming the gospel and thundering away in the pulpits, instead of talking about sin and repentance and taking up your cross daily and suffering and sacrificing, that's all been replaced with name it and claim it. God is a skybound wish-granting genie bestowing cash and cars on his followers. That's really the penultimate focal point of where we are in the West. Because after all, Jesus said, go out into all the world and make sure that every day is a Friday, correct? Oh, absolutely. Which in and of itself is a strange preaching and teaching in the middle of this chaos and confusion that we're in, isn't it? How could you be talking to me about being prosperous and, and God wants to bless you and, and bring you prosperity when the economy is $19 trillion in debt? My grandchildren are in yeah. debt already and they're not even born. This is crazy. But that's why I'm saying we should not be shocked by this. And I, I'm convinced of this. They may not be Christians. They may not be a part of the family of God. And so I don't expend a lot of energy and effort praying for them or praying even against them. I pray for the body of Christ. Amen. There are true believers here, and we need to be praying for one another. God's going to deal with them. If you remember in Jeremiah uh, in 23, which is, and I want to share a couple of scriptures out of there. Let me get my Bible and open it to here. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pastures, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds who are tending my sheep, you have scattered my flock, you have driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I am about to attend to you 
for the evil of your deeds, declared the Lord. Listen, God's going to take care of them. He says, I'm about to attend to you. You have not attended to my sheep. I'm going to deal with you and God's going to deal with them. And you and I must recognize that God is not standing by, uh, biting his fingernails and wondering whether they're going to turn around or not. He's already got them pegged for his judgment and he's going to bring judgment on them. Stand by and watch the salvation of the Lord. I heard somebody say in that same chapter, chapter uh, 23 and in verse 13 and 14, it says this. Moreover, among the prophets of Samaria, I saw an offending thing, an offensive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. Among the prophets of Jerusalem, I seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery and walking in falsehood. And they, that is the prophets, strengthened the hands of the evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom and her inhabitants are like Gomorrah. That's God's assessment of these false prophets sitting in these mega churches with mega followers sitting in these pews listening to mega junk. Yeah. He said, the prophets of Samaria have led my people, Israel, into worshiping at the foot of Baal. And then it gets worse. He says, even those who are in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was where the temple was, where the, the two tribes who had not departed and went up to Samaria. In Samaria, where the, the other 10 tribes went up there, well, actually nine, because the Levites went between the two of them. Benjamin and Judah remained in the southern kingdom in Jerusalem, where the temple was. They did worse than Samaria. It says, you have committed adultery, walking in falsehood, and you strengthen the hands of the evildoers. That's what the church did in America when they reelected Bill Clinton twice. It was the church that did that. Eighty percent of the evangelicals voted for Bill Clinton twice. Yes. And it was the evangelical and the Catholic community that voted Barack Obama in twice. If the Christian community did not vote for Barack Obama, he wouldn't be president at all, ever. But it was the Christians who did it. The black Christian and the black church has been eating at the trough of Satan ever since Barack Obama stepped on the scene. Well, and how does this, as I call him, bathhouse Barry, how does he even get in when he's not even a natural-born citizen under the constitutional requirements? How does he... I can think of about 47 separate issues on which he could be impeached on, and yet, does it stun you that he's still been at the helm? I mean, I personally think he should be strung up for high treason, but does it surprise you? Probably not, that he is still there. Well, again, uh, you and I, uh, early on in the program, we talked about the Constitution dying as death. I submit to you it's dead. Yeah. The Constitution is dead. There's no way that this man qualifies. He does not meet the, the Article 2, Section 2. Section 2, yeah. It says that you have to be a natural-born citizen. The truth of the matter, Marco Rubio doesn't fit that definition. Neither does Cruz. Yeah. Neither did Rick Santorum. Neither did Bobby Jindal. None of them. But the Constitution is dead. We need to recognize that it is dead. It's just a matter of putting it in the coffin and throwing dirt on it. It hadn't happened yet. I was believing at one point that as long as that Constitution had breath in it, it still was alive and we could perhaps turn this thing around. But I'm hearing now, listen, 
I've been trying, I've been pursuing a thing called uh, nullification of uh, Obergefell, the same-sex marriage in the state of Texas, trying to rally 100,000 signatures to take to our governor, Governor Abbott, who is a lesser magistrate who has the authority operating as a sovereign state, a sovereign state. You know what sovereign state means? Yeah, it's a state which administers its own government. It's not subject to any other power. Absolutely. We are an independent state. We entered into a contract with the other states to create this thing called the federal government. When the federal government violates its contractual responsibility, operates outside of the limitations specified to it within the Constitution, then it is the obligation and responsibility of the lesser magistrate, the governor of this state, to announce to the federal government and to the state of Texas, we will not honor any illegal action from the federal government because it violates the Constitution. Here's what he said to us, that Obergefell and Hodge is settled law because the Supreme Court has spoken. The Supreme Court's decision specific to same-sex marriage contradicts and infringes, even if you look at the state of Texas Constitution expressed in the Bill of Rights, Section 32 there, it says marriage in this state shall consist only of the union of one man and one woman. And the same Constitution charges the Texas state legislature with the authority to determine standards for granting marriage licenses. Well, you know this, Texans are granted by God and secured in the First Amendment in the Constitution. I mean, you just talked about one of the duties of the sovereign state government is to protect the citizens from overreach, protect them from these devilish, constitutionally restricting endeavors from the federal government. And I think it's part of our culture of men. You know, and I want to take that a step further, because one of the things I think is so ubiquitous, and yet it's so not being talked about, you know, I think about Paul's admonishment to the church in Corinth that seemed like they were in a bit of a mess and required some theology change. But Paul said something, and I thought it was really interesting. He said, be on the alert, act like men. I'm going to get myself into trouble for saying this, but if there's ever been anything lacking Pastor Broden today, it's lack of men. Slowly men in the West have become domesticated and effeminized and emasculated. They won't rise up. They won't grab a backbone. They won't stand up to tyranny. They won't stand up for the gospel. They're not willing to tell those TSA agents to quit molesting their wives. And if you speak out, it's like, well, what will my church think? What will my co-workers think? I guess I'm asking you, what happened to strong, godly men who's zeal for the Lord consume them more than their relationships with their people in these apostate churches? Well, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I, the only thing I can tell you is that I believe that we have uh, turned our backs on God. And because we have turned our backs on God, we no longer have the enabling power of the spirit that operates within us that gives us the capacity to do what you just called us to do, be men. We don't have that spirit. It's, it has been rejected by the church and rejected by our culture and our society. And we are now vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. We're vulnerable and we're exposed. And quite frankly, you and I need to prepare for the inevitable and eventual return of Christ. I really believe we're right there right yes, now. Yes. I know that you've been observing and watching the culture. This nation has essentially turned its back on God. It's embracing doctrines of demon. We see the evangelical community right now is voting for a perverse man. Yeah. And they're throwing their whole weight of their confidence 
behind a perversion and behind the perversity of one Donald Trump, who is pretending to be a Christian, pretending. The Bible says, my spirit will witness to the spirit that's in you, and your spirit in you should witness to the spirit that's in me, that you are my sister in Christ, and I am your brother in Christ. I don't feel any kindred spirit. I don't feel nothing but a demonic deception coming from this man. I agree. Well, and there's no political solution for a spiritual problem. I just said on a show last week, I said, I got a newsflash for you folks. Donald Trump is not going to save America. I said sackcloth and ashes might repentance. But I think you're right. I think it's just we've went off the Rubicon. We've crossed over into, as you said, the point of no return. And I don't know how things did go off. So wildly off track. But I think about Abraham saying, can you find 10 righteous men, Lord? Will we remind people of the severity of God? Well, you know, I was listening to Chuck Mishler about a year or so ago. He was saying and commenting on um, Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name. He says, friends, I really believe we've gone beyond that now. What he was saying is that it's too late if my people who are called by my name. It comes a point when God said, that's it, it's over. We know that that's true because that's what happened with Jerusalem. That's what what happened to Samaria when God raised up the Assyrians that marched in on Samaria and carried them into captivity. And when God raised up Babylon that marched into Jerusalem and carried them into captivity, he said through the prophet Jeremiah, tell them just go on into captivity, it's over. And he told Jeremiah who was a weeping prophet who was crying out and praying that God would not exercise that judgment on them. God says to them, Jeremiah, don't even pray for them because I'm going to do this. If you continue to pray for them, Jeremiah, I will put on you what I was going to put on them. I tell you this, Jeremiah, stop praying for them. It comes a point, and I think we've come to that point. We've gone long past that point. When we've had a chance to stop abortion in America, we didn't. We now have a chance to stop same-sex marriage in America, and we won't. We've gone long past the point of the mercy of God. And here is the other thing. Our eschatology, as you study scripture and know about future events, the Bible says when you see these things happen, look up redemption draweth nigh. See what happening. The very things that we are witnessing in our culture and in the world today, these things are unfolding But the Bible also says this, Sheila, there will be signs in the heaven that will indicate the judgment of God is at hand. Have you heard of Planet X? Yes, sir. Do you know it's already entered into our solar system? And you can get up early in the morning, at least here in Dallas, Texas, and look to the east and hold your camera up. Don't look at the sun. Just hold your camera up and take a picture. You can see Nibiru. I did it in 2012. It was kind of small. But now I take the picture, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's coming. And the Bible says, and uh, if you have your Bible, turn to uh, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And look at verse 25 and 26. I want you to see this. So I don't want you to, to hear me just read it. I want you to read it with me as I read it. The Bible says there will be, this is the return of Jesus Christ is talking about in this passage of Scripture. So there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, dismay among nations 
in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and of the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's where we are. If you believe like I am, that we're right at the point of the sound of the trumpet of God that will take us out of here. It will change the way you pray. It will make your priorities different. Instead of spending all this time trying to win this decadent, evil, perverse nation back to God, we ought to be trying to rescue as many as we can from the fire. Amen. By sharing the Evangelion, that is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's my message. And you know where I got that message from? From John the Baptist. Our ministry right now is the ministry of John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. Now I've been studying this thing on planet X and what it's gonna do. It's going to flip the poles. We're gonna have a pole shift. It's gonna cause movement of the plates. There will be hailstones coming down out of heaven, falling on this earth. It will be disruptive. Earthquakes, it's already happening, earthquakes. The weather will change, it's already changing. We're seeing this stuff happen right before our very eyes, but we must process what we see through the lens of our faith and through what God has already said. He said some things to us, and then he said this, he who have ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. He who have eyes, let him see. Let me tell you, I hear and I see, and I see this, the judgment of God is coming to this planet. And it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be nice. But let me say this to your listeners. There is a scripture that is in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. It says this, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will keep you from that hour of testing that will come upon this whole earth. I'm going to keep you from it. Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 10 says, it will go well with the righteous and they shall eat the fruit of their labor. God's going to take care of us. And in that scripture, you just read men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. Right after it says the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The good news is, and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. That's really the good news, isn't it? That's the Evangelion. I, I submit to you, my sister in the Lord, that's where we are. And because we're at that point, our priorities must change. Our emphasis must change. Our ear must be open to listen to the voice of God, to hear what he is saying at this time. Not what we want, not what we desire, not calling on mercy on something that he's about to destroy. He's going to destroy this stuff. What we need to be doing is trying to get as many people out of it as possible. That's what we should be doing. It's over for America. It's over for the world. It's over. And I know that sounds like I'm negative. I'm not being negative. I'm just telling you what I see. It's over. And as Matthew 3, 2 says, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that's really an important message because of the lateness of the hour People do need to repent and turn to God. That is really important in this very late hour. And I can't help but think of that verse in Mark 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
Because even Second Peter 3.9 said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yet people mock at that. People are going to a devil's hell and they make fun about it. Oh, I'm going to hell where all my friends are. But I'll tell you what, if people really knew what that meant when they said, I'm going to hell, they'd change their tune in a hurry, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, it, <laughs> unfortunately, the kind of debauchery that we're seeing on television, I don't know if you've stopped to look at any of these reality shows here. I, I fell on one of the reality shows the other day just by accident, and it's nothing but debauchery and sexual overt behavior. It's, it's just debauchery, and everybody's looking at these things. Our children are looking at these things. They're teaching our children at, in the elementary schools how to have sex, how to fondle themselves and fondle their neighbors. I, it's all happening right now in America. And a lot of us don't know it, but it's happening. And I know it's happening because I've seen documentation of it and I've seen it with my own eyes. And that's why I'm working hard to try to get Obergefell overturned in Texas. But I've come to the conclusion after listening to my governor, who is a lawyer, say that the Supreme Court ruling is settled law. And I told him, uh, I, and I'm, if I ever get a chance to sit down with him, I said it was settled law when they said that black people were not human beings and that we were slaves, less than white people. The Supreme Court said that. They were wrong then and they're wrong now. And the best thing I, I can tell you that the emphasis right now for you and I and believers who are listening to this show, who love the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the Lord and believe in the word of God, you must go out and tell, compel them to come. Many will come and many will not. The Bible says, broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life and few travel thereon. There's only a few. The Bible says in the last days, Jesus said this, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we? He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you not. I don't know you. Didn't we pay our, our tithe? Didn't we go to church and sing in the choir? And didn't we raise the dead and laid hands on the sick? And did God says, depart from me. I don't even know you. I don't know you. And I, and, and I know our time is short, but I, I'm reminded of the, the parable of the, the ten virgins. Five were foolish, the Bible said, and five were wise. The five foolish ones were not prepared. They took their assignment lightly. Whereas the five who were wise were prepared and ready. And when the bridegroom showed up, they walked into his peace. And the Bible says the door shut. And then the other ones who finally woke up and recognized they were in trouble came knocking on the door. Guess who opened the window of the door and looked out? The bridegroom. And what did he say? Too late. You can't come in. That will be Jesus. And there's people who are playing on the periphery of the faith right now. They're on the edges and they're playing around with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you're like the five foolish virgins. And the trump of God is going to sound. And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise and we who remain shall be caught up to meet him where? In the air. And you will not be there. You'll be here when the wormwood show up. Planet X, Naburu, is coming and it's not nice. Well, I think it's a sobering message, but as Pastor Broden alluded to, you do not want Jesus to say to you, I never knew you. Those are pretty sobering words. So, are you ready for the bridegroom upon his return? That's the question, isn't it, Pastor Broden? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he arose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He died for our sins 
according to the scriptures. He took our sins, our enmity, that which alienated and separated us from God and made us join heirs with Jesus with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How do you receive it? That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and he is indeed who he say he is, you shall be saved. You don't have to eat, drink, or chew, or run with those who do. You don't have to jump over pews, stop wearing makeup, stop smoking cigarettes. God didn't say all that. He says, if you receive Jesus for the pardon of your sin, you shall be saved. Now, the other thing will come. You'll give up your sinful ways after you are saved, not before. Absolutely. Well, in the waning moments, Pastor Broden, if you would do the honor of praying for the listeners that are tuned in tonight. It would be our honor for you to pray for us, sir. Oh, absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you promised us that you would never leave us nor forsake us, that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. These are troubling and tumultuous times. We know that you are with us, and because you're with us, we have peace. You said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives peace, but my peace, the peace of God, in the midst of tumult, in the midst of troubling and chaotic times, you give us peace. The peace is based upon your promises and your promises bring to us purpose. And out of your purpose, you give us power that we may live in a way that is pleasing in thy sight. And so we pray this moment right now for your, the listeners of this show and for everyone who is a part of the body of Christ, that we would learn to see as you see, to know as you have made known, and to do what you called us to do. That is to be a witness to go and make disciples, declare the evangelion, the gospel, the good news in these last and evil days. We look forward to your coming soon. Maranatha. Amen. Thank you for that, Pastor Broden. And in the waning moments, give out your website, but also tell people how they can get behind this project that you're working on getting signatures for. We are at www.protectlifeandmarriagetexas.org. That is protectlifeandmarriagetx.org. If you're in Texas, we need for those of you in Texas to sign our petition. And you certainly can duplicate what we're doing here in the state where you are. Uh, You can challenge your governor and your lesser magistrates to nullify an illegal, unconstitutional act that was perpetrated on us back in June 2015, Obergefell versus Hodge. Excellent. Well, and I want to encourage you folks, do get behind this. This is very important. And also, if you're in the state of Texas, do you get a hold of Pastor Broden? Get behind that. And as he said, you can also do this in your state as well. Do get in touch with Pastor Broden. Pastor Broden, I want to thank you for the decades that you have served conservative Christians, all your hard work, sir. Kudos for it. God bless you. And I do hope you come back and see us soon. If not, I'll see you in the clouds. (laughs) Yes, sir. Folks, that was Pastor Stefan Broden. Do get in touch with him at protectlifeandmarriagetx.org. The information is linked there on today's bio. Don't forget to sign up for my free e-newsletter. There's one coming out next week. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you Monday. Good night and God bless.